is up kings and priests podcast thanks for listening in it's thursday morning our thursday morning routines good to talk to you how are you good mate really good beautiful here in park city right now the last like two weeks and we have these storms at night which is really cool like thunder and lightning and then the days oh, are cool awesome so and the days are good gorgeous. i love it yeah. i'm not i'm not like outside taking advantage of it i'm sitting here i know right all day but uh anyway i i literally had a i someone asked recently like hey, when was the last time you golfed and i was like i mean a long time ago <laughs> and someone actually hit me up wanting me to play yesterday at my favorite course in Simi valley oh and was like yo got a free time it was like 10 a.m and i was just like it was like it was like, I just was like, I can't, I cannot yeah. do it. I can't do it. Before I had had kids, like two kids, yeah. I would have been like, yeah, I'll do it. And then just like work till yeah. 2 a.m. Right. But the, those days are over. Those days Absolutely. are, those days are well, long I got gone. the club championship this weekend. So I'll be playing a lot Friday, Saturday. And I'm, and I'm playing Sunday. And Pauline's oh. out of town. So there's no guilt. There you go. There you go. <laughs> hey, okay. So let before we jump into our topic, let's get on a rabbit trail for a second. I, I have a business idea. Not a business oh. idea that I'm going to do now. Not like, a, but, okay. but one day, like when I'm, okay. you know, 45 plus and, and worth 100 million. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, okay. There's this new thing that opened up in my neighborhood in South Pasadena. And they've, they've shared a, it's, they're sharing a space with like a gym and a juice bar. And it's like a, basically a sim, golf simulator. And they have one of them and it's like the best of the best. Yeah. And you can rent it out for like 40 bucks an hour. And so as I've been thinking about golfing, I'm like, you know, what I could do is go do that at like 8 p.m., right? Like baby goes to bed. Right, right, right. Get out of the house. At least it gives me like a couple hours of, right. you know, hit the ball or whatever. Right. And then a few months ago, they opened up a top golf down in El Segundo and attached to it is this really cool. You know, Callaway just bought, Callaway just bought top golf. They're now together. Really? Okay. Fascinating. And Taylor made is opening a, like a competitor, big thing right? Text. Yeah, yes. in Frisco. Oh, is it in Frisco? I think so. Do you know that I could have bought in the year that I moved to LA, 2009, from Dallas? Mm. I probably could have bought a five bedroom, 3,000 square foot house in Frisco mm, for nothing. For, for $200,000. Right. Now they're a and, million. And, and now it is the fastest growing area in the country. Yeah. I know my buddy's it's, there, Kerry Robertson. He planted oh, yeah, a, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, a couple of years ago, and he's he's crushing. It's insane. Um, so yeah, that's cool. They're doing it there. So okay, I had this thought, right? So because I have a buddy, our friend Matt Shackelford, um, yep. always talks about wanting to start a, a tiki bar someday. I know, you know, like that's his <laughs> that's like, his new thing. He's he trying to talk me into, into <laughs> doing it. <laughs> it's funny i saw some like really successful entrepreneur the other day tweet let me save you let me save you a million dollars and three years of miserable work do not start a coffee shop a restaurant or a bar just yeah, don't do exactly, it exactly. um but okay so but it did get me thinking like okay my at least for the next few years like my days of being able to play golf on a saturday are shot I'm building a business. So like the idea of like just taking off for four hours a day, once every couple of weeks, it's just not doable right. anymore. Right? right. But I did think like, and it wouldn't work in LA, but maybe in a city like Dallas or a suburb of Atlanta or Nashville or something like you buy a plot of land, you build like a really fun, you get a professional designer. It's not like a crappy par three, but you do right. like a nine hole yep. challenging sort of pitch and putt kind of yep. thing. 
uh, you put lights up and it's open till 2 a.m. It's open. You can, right. you know, you, you, you do the night golf thing. You have yeah. like a cool um, sports bar attached to it that just yeah. does like good cocktails, maybe like a good burger and a good steak. And that's right. it. The place guys can mm-hmm. come watch golf. And then you have some kind of like sh- mini golf shaved ice thing for kids or, right. or whatever. Right. right. And you just put it in like a place like Frisco, Texas. Right. And you, the whole pitch is like, Hey, this is for guys to come play in the evenings. Right. You right. know, um, you'd have to get it away from neighborhoods. Right. Yeah. It would have to be, yeah, yeah, yeah. but yeah, but like it, in the like right area, it would kill it. Right. I mean, at least theoretically there's, it would. There's so much going on in that space. Like tiger is doing that indoor thing starting next mm-hmm. year. So Monday mm-hmm. night's going to compete with Monday night football. Dang. Literally, there's tons going on in the golf space. So mm-hmm. we we um the we just have a new course being built, and they're putting four um bays in simulator bays, and it's it's, it's in conjunction with TaylorMade, I think, at cool. my club here. So yeah, it's it's a it's a thing. Yeah, it's a, it's a thing. Did you when you went to um, Pebble Beach? Did you play Tiger's Par Three? Mm-hmm. Is that fun? Yeah. That's yeah, almost like what I think. Like you just, it's like just a Literally, fun. You need a yeah. You need a fifty six. A 52 and maybe a pitching which three clubs and a putter mm-hmm. and it was super fun and then the other thing and we did this here is there's an 18 hole putting course with little stands that you put your beer on yeah and like <laughs> you're like you're with your buddies right and there's this little bar a little restaurant and you're doing this putting thing and with That's your buddies sick. And that, you know and drink a beer yeah. which is yeah golf I and like that. alcohol don't usually mix but you know Gosh, man, I know. The like, there you wait. go yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, okay. I want to talk today about a um, post I read recently on Twitter uh, called the three founder archetypes. Uh, mm-hmm. This is more philosophical, but I, it's, it's, it's more like, I like the way that they uh, explain it. And so right. they say essentially that there are three different archetypes or kinds of people or personalities that general founders generally have. And obviously some of them have bits and pieces of each, but I thought it was really interesting. So it says this, it says, when I think about the world of founders, in my mind, there are really three archetypes I see over and over again. There's cowboys, craftsmen, and revolutionaries. Uh, and each has its own set of superpowers. So they essentially go through uh, the good, what who those people are, and then maybe what their downside could possibly be. So I want to I read through them and hear what you think. So- okay. Cowboys no. is this the brass the brash risk takers who have at least one screw loose willing to take crazy risks in markets and challenge incumbents with bravado these guys crush it when going light and fast is the best mode of operation and when risk is mispriced on a mission um I think it probably someone like an Elon Musk probably comes yeah. to mind Zuckerberg right Zuckerberg. he the mm-hmm. move fast break things like, mm-hmm. something like that so mm-hmm. yeah no I definitely that that is a personality type of, of you know especially tech founders yeah yeah or like what's the what was Richard Branson's famous quote like screw it let's do it right like just yeah yeah, yeah. just yeah. just kind of a, a gambler a gambler so it, to speak. it feels to me that there's a bit less of that these days now mm-hmm. Maybe with AI booming, like, you know, and all the risks and, and all the money going to AI startups right now, and then we might see a, a bunch of new young entrepreneurs that are, you know, have that mindset. But mm-hmm. especially when the market's been a bit off on tech, although it's had mm-hmm. a good year, 
Um, you know, it feels like in COVID and like the, the risky go for it thing has been absent. It feels like to me in the last two mm-hmm. or three years. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I was probably going to launch it again, you know? Right. Yeah. 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 I think about the guys who like built Las Vegas and uh, yep. some of these, like the Jerry Joneses of the world, right? Who just sure. like made a sure. hundred million dollars in the oil business, put all of it into the Dallas Cowboys and right. just said, I'm going to build the six billion. Sport, yeah. The greatest sports <laughs> franchise in the world. Right. right? Like you yep. think about those kind of guys. Yep. Um, so that's like, you know, a lot of like the oil, you know, the, the, the yep. oil men of, of the past. Right. So yeah. that's the Cowboys. Carnegie's yeah. and Rockefellers and yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. These guys who were just Titans and just were yeah. just, just absolute, you know, legends. Um, so the next one is craftsmen, uh, craftsmen who are obsessive about the craft of a product. They're deeply in the details of the experience they are producing. They idealize things like Japanese culture, you know, uh, and the rare situations that the highest quality product and in the rare situations that the highest quality product actually wins in a market, they can do great. Right. I think that brings up a bunch of, of questions. Yeah. So who would be a craftsman? Sam Altman? Yeah, there you go. Um, Maybe. Yeah. Uh, Steve Jobs. Mm-hmm. Yep. I uh, think about product led, right? Like these guys don't think about sales and marketing. They think about building something so beautiful mm-hmm. with, Features that are so good. It's Maybe sells. what's the Nest guy, Tony Fidel? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah just obsessed over design. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, definitely that that whole genre of of you know, it's it's rare that those guys are founders though. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong there. But or maybe they don't yeah. start out as fan founders. They kind of sort of yeah, graduate they into in, that. Yeah, like you're working in a big industrial, you know, design f- firm and. But yeah, mm-hmm. that's, that's, you know, and you think about software, right? You think about beautiful software that, that works and you think about crappy software that doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Like there's the physical stuff, you know, when you think, but you think great software being built that solves like awesome problems mm-hmm. is just beautiful. And so there's a lot of product led software companies that go to market with not a big sales marketing strategy. They just, you know, when Slack came out mm-hmm. and, like it just was awesome and it just worked. And I'm, you know, I'm in my fifties now. I stay pretty current with what's going on around the place. I'm, you know, I'm in AI every day. And so I'm pretty, but it was just so easy to use. It made sense. It solved a problem, remote businesses, you know, like we started with. So Zoom and Slack, I was talking to someone else this morning. How do you, how do you beat Google at, at video chat? Mm-hmm. How did, like, you'd beat it with product. Mm-hmm. They, well, they removed two clicks. Mm-hmm. That's what they did. Zoom removed two clicks and, and Google had renamed their video meeting thing like four times. Mm-hmm. And all they did was make it two clicks simpler and it was right place, right time. And I haven't touched Google meeting for maybe five years. Right. Yeah. And well, product. now Slack has, Slack has huddles. Mm-hmm. So like yep. with our pulpit AI guys, like they've got, you know, they, all of them have other jobs. And so we just kind of like right. do a quick stand up every day whenever oh, yeah. they can basically. Yeah. And we exactly. do everything, literally everything is in Slack and we yep. get on the video call and it's like, yep. it's you, you get on there and there's like automatic hold music that plays while you're waiting for yep. everybody else to jump on. Yep. And it's like, yep. they've, they've. Well, Salesforce bought them, right? right? Mm-hmm. Salesforce bought Slack. That's right. Um, maybe Slack sold too early. Right. There's a big kind of kind of thing in startup land. Like did Slack just 
bailed too soon or could they have gone, you know, and then you say that with say that about YouTube, you say that about Instagram, like when someone waves a billion dollars in your face and you've been going through your twenties. Yeah. <laughs> and you're in your twenties and thirties and you're like, Oh, it could be 6 billion, but like, I'll take the billion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like what was it? I think there was a couple, maybe half a dozen people at Instagram, maybe 12. Yeah. And like, what, like, what do you do? So right. anyway, product, mm-hmm. this is, it's a thing, beautiful products, you know, uh, mm-hmm. are a rarity. And when mm-hmm. you've got someone who's going to go product first, yeah. a lot of winners. So that there. was going to be my question. You know, he says in the rare situations that the highest quality product actually wins in a market. Right. I, it's like, that's something I hear a lot. Right. And <laughs> I feel like there's two very different philosophies on that, you know, best product always wins. And then you sort of, it's like sales and distribution and, or maybe specific insight or viewpoint or whatever. Right. Um, I mean, that to me is interesting. It's an interesting thing to think about. There's all those other factors, right? Like getting to market, Mm -hmm. like getting in the market, like Mm -hmm. getting people using your product. Mm -hmm. Oh, but it's not ready yet. It's not built yet. It hasn't got these features. It doesn't matter. Like we've talked a lot about that over the episodes, mm-hmm. how important it is to get to customers as quick mm-hmm. as you can and don't apologize for this feature or that feature. It's got to work, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. The, the first giving app that Barn built, I mean, it didn't look great. It it ha- had a ton of things that weren't there in the beginning, but it worked and it was mm-hmm. really simple. So you know what's so funny about that? You know, like the product isn't ready. We were just, and this is getting a bit under the hood of, pulpit ai right now but whatever it's funny we were chatting with me and and our the guy who built the web app and and the you know the developer we were talking to our technology partner who who actually like first of all he's freaking awesome three kids works building this freaking company is just a total maniac he built the freaking digital brain that runs pulpit ai right and he's you know on his like third venture back startup and he's just a beast right and so we're chatting back and forth and He's like, okay, when do we open up? Like, when are the gates open? What are we doing? Let's go. And we were like, what? And, you know, it's like, well, we're testing Stripe and we're this and we're that. And he's like, no, guys, 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 go to our website right now. This is their, you know, one of his companies. He was like, yeah. we have an intercom button. Yep. And guess what? You can't cancel your account on our thing, right? You literally have to email us and right. I respond, you know? Yeah. And it's like, he was like, just get it out there. Like, right. We need to, we're like, we got to test the account cancellations and this and that. And he was like, guys, guys, put an email address on your landing page that says, if you want to cancel the account, email us right here and we'll do it within 24 hours. And he was like, (laughs) get this thing out into the world. And it's so true, right? Um, You couldn't cancel recurring giving on the first (laughs) (laughs) That's a great way. That's a great way to get this tie. (laughs) It was a selling feature to pass. Yes, yeah. not really. Um, but yeah, no. There's, but you know, uh, he. But you know, he said that he said that, and by the next morning, we had uh, intercom set up on our site, and you can go on yep. there right now and message us, and I get an email, <clears throat> and every one of us gets an email, and it's like oh. problem solved in less than Easy. twelve hours. You know, yep. Custom um, support. Mm-hmm. So, cool. cowboys, craftsmen, and then last visionaries—the uh, people who see mm-hmm. an opportunity to change the world in a fundamental and important way. They are futurists who are drawn to act versus just watch. They crush mm-hmm. it at big, audacious missions that require the coordination of tons of others. Mm-hmm. When they can communicate that vision to others, when they can communicate that vision to others and accept them, and they are right. So that's mm-hmm. sort of that would probably be maybe more like an Elon Musk, right? 
Yeah, I think he, yeah, like the visionary. So I, I looked at those in the notes and I'm like, I mean, what am I? You know, and then it's not, you know, I don't, I don't think I'm a cowboy. Like I measure risk, you know, and I'm older now. I'm not in my twenties, you know, I'm closer to 60 than I am to 20. So I'm not a big risky guy, although I took, I have taken many big risks in my life. And one was starting this business. There's no question. I'm not really a product guy, although I love that world. You know, I sit on every product meeting in our company. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I I have my eyes on every product that, you know, we have 16 different products now Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. like adding more, like Mm -hmm. whole different categories of product, right? Mm -hmm. I'm just giving. So I love that. But I think, you know, if I was trying to pinpoint someone asked like, what, what gifts of God gave you and the, the mm-hmm. way we think as believers, right? These are gifts that are given mm-hmm. to be good stewards of and to use for his glory, you know, seeing around corners. I can, I can, I can see the future a little bit mm-hmm. and it's, and it's, you know, that's kind of probably what I bring to most things. It's uh, mm-hmm. trying to look in the future and like, where's the puck going to be? Like, you know, the Gretzky quote mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and skate where the know, puck is, not where it's going to yeah. be. Right? Yeah. Or where, where the puck's going to be, not where it is. Where it's yeah. going to be. And, and like, you know, and then pick an, pick, a, pick something, you know, the only thing when I was 50 and kind of starting over, the only thing I was really like that I could use was my expertise around the business of church. I knew how church business operated because I'd done it for 30 years. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay. And then I had the giving with the phone thing. So, okay, I can, I know how the business of church works. And I thought about giving with the phone when I bought the coffee with the Starbucks app in the phone. I'm like, giving should be this easy. So, yeah, the visionary thing, and it comes back to the other basics, like you're solving problems that people, pain points along the way, and, you know, recurring giving with two clicks was a mm-hmm. pain point solved, right, mm-hmm. for, for church leaders. So, mm-hmm. yeah, the, the, you know, visionaries are um, probably the rarest one, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like it's a yeah. very specific gift. Mm-hmm. You think about it in the church world. Yeah. You know, that, that visionary pastor that is like a Craig Rochelle. Yep. You know? So yeah, here's my hot take on that. There aren't that many, but yeah. everyone wants to be one. Yeah, true. And everyone reads the books about the visionaries and then tries to apply yeah. those same things into their right. own lives. I I see it in church. I see it in business. Yeah. We live in this yeah. world where everyone you know, it's like, I, I don't want to go down on the church road, but every pastor thinks they have to be a visionary because that's what they've been sure. told when it's yeah. like, maybe they're just a local church pastor who needs yeah. to love people, love preach you. the gospel, yeah. make disciples, you know, right. and not start 125 different things. Right. And I know so many pastors who have started 125 different things because that's, and they're just going like, wait a minute, I, I don't even, right. and I think it's the same way in business, right? I think everyone wants to be the visionary, but I actually don't totally. think there are, there are as many as we think well the probably the, there's three qualities of a visionary i'm just riffing here mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like the one that probably is the most important is that you can communicate the vision to a group of people that buy it and run with you just to go and bring it off mm-hmm. that's probably the thing mm-hmm. like it, ideas are easy to think of and i'm gonna you know do this in the future but if you can't communicate it and inspire a group of people to come and help you do it because you can't do it by yourself mm-hmm. that's probably the number one thing that a, a real visionary has mm-hmm. you can communicate the vision mm-hmm. and then yeah and, and, and then and make it so uh, compelling that people will sacrifice take a pay cut like move cities mm-hmm. 
like that's that's a big component of being a visionary. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, in the church world or in the business world. So, you know, mm-hmm. it, uh, yeah, I think you're right. I think mm-hmm. everyone wants to do that. But yeah, it's a, it's a rare thing. So here's a couple of the downsides, some downsides for each one of them. We'll just go through very quickly. Um, gambling addiction for cowboys. <laughs> they enjoy the gamble and risk too much and end up taking yeah. irresponsible gambles just to feel something. Um, I'm definitely not a cowboy because I've maybe like gambled like t- f- five times in my whole mm-hmm, life. Mm-hmm. I played blackjack yeah. once many yeah. years ago in, in Australia and I like won, like I had this run where I like won like 2000 bucks and back when I was like in the 80s. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was at a real estate convention and I had the whole, like when someone gets hot, everyone oh, yeah. else starts. So fun. There's no, so there's no rush. Rock, there's no rush head. like it. Yeah. Yeah. So that was a one and done. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I bet on a trifecta at a, on a horse race once. <laughs> this is all like 30 years ago. And yeah. I got, and I won. I put 20 bucks on these three horses and first, second, and third. And I won like 900 bucks. Mm-hmm. That's the second time I gambled. And can't think of another mm-hmm. one. Like, sometimes I go to Vegas and I just put like a hundred on red yep. on the roulette, right? Yep. And then just still on some walk yeah. away. So yeah, that's yeah, my, yeah. Well, I'm not a cowboy. See, I, I, what I say is uh, I'm not a gambler. I'm a poker player. Those are two yeah, different, there you go. different <laughs> things. I No, I say am, hat, was way, way yeah. many years ago. I played proper poker in a very long time. Hey, but one time I did. I've done that a dozen times. Yeah, yeah totally. 50 model buy-in or something. Yeah. I did one time. It's it's funny. I was I was playing poker one time in Vegas next to a guy who was on the MIT blackjack team, Ooh. and was one of the guys that they like. Yeah, was, you know whatever. And he still to this day can't walk into a casino without uh, someone coming up to him and either right. removing him or, or not letting him be on the part of the floor that the blackjack tables are on, which is just it. insane. So yeah, gambling addiction. Um, this is interesting. It says cowboys are also usually willing, too willing to go it alone. Uh, and I think that's, that's a huge thing. Um, okay. So craftsmen, uh, they miss the forest for the trees. They love their product experience and customers so, so much that they are at risk of not actually building great businesses or platforms. It's almost like, it's almost like the craftsman is an artist in some ways. They are, and they're given to that. That's why I'm not a craftsman. I'm, I'm eight out of 10 and let's go, let's Mm -hmm. go. Yep. Uh, mirages for visionaries. They are apt to see mirages in the desert because their identity is too caught up on tectonic change. Mm-hmm. So when there isn't one, they emotionally have to invent <laughs> one and right. convince themselves of it, which is really, yeah. uh, really Super interesting. true. Yeah. And like, so we want practical visionaries is what we want. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he just says, if we're being honest, most really great entrepreneurs are a hybrid of two or the three of these types. Steve yeah. Jobs was clearly a visionary craftsman. Musk is a visionary cowboy. Um, yeah, and so, yeah, it's, it's interesting. So the most important thing as a founder is self-awareness uh, and as an investor or team member, having a read on who you are in business with, because yeah. at least if you know, you can think about how to manage the risks that come along with the forms. That's really good. Very cool. Like I just think of the application for the Christian, a Christian in business. You know, we, we have gifts given to us by God but we were also given the command to ask God and ask for wisdom. Mm-hmm. So you think about a lot of times in like a secular environment, they, they're limited to, oh, he, he's got that gift. She's got that gift, right? Okay. That works in the church world too. There's gifts in the church. There's callings. There's all that. Mm-hmm. But then there's like, ask, ask me whatever you want. 
Mm-hmm. Right. So the, the, the Christian's superpower is the yeah. Holy spirit. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, I, would, yeah. I would say to a, like someone in business, if like, if you're confused or you're stuck, like go to God and say, God, help me solve this problem here. Or, I'm not seeing this. or this person's mm-hmm. on the right seat. And, mm-hmm. you know, we, we get to cheat really by, mm-hmm. uh, having the Holy spirit giving us guidance. Yeah, exactly. I actually read, um, yesterday morning, this, the proverb, uh, let me find it here, but it's like so cliche, but it's so true. I think about it a lot, which is, um, I thought I had it saved. I don't, uh, the, the man plans, man plans his ways, but the Lord establishes his steps. Sure. I think it's proverb 16. Um, and it's like, that's so true. We yep, can plan 100%. all we want, um, yeah. but we go to God yeah. for wisdom. Phenomenal. You can you can live your life off the book, that, you know, the book of Proverbs. The book of wisdom there, Proverbs, mm-hmm. and just you know, you're gonna do pretty good in life. I know, I know, right? Um, amazing. Well, once again, thanks for a good episode. This was fun. yeah, that's great, man. Good catching up, and uh, we love doing this. Yeah, it's fun. If you're listening, make sure and subscribe. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, KingsandPriest.io all the different places and uh, we'd love to hear from you. So keep reaching out and we'll hear from you soon. Later. See ya.